what's up? It's been a minute since you heard my voice introducing the show. You are now tuned into Truth Carpet with your favorite best friend, Duo Love Loud LLC. It is I, C, Moan, Loud. And next to me, I have Yummy Love. Yeah, she better be on my same vibe. Okay, what's happening? Welcome to another episode. This is officially episode six. For those of you that have been tuning in for the whole season, thank you. Thank you. And now you are here with another episode. This is your first time listening to our podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Please let us know what you think. Let us know. Okay, after you get through to the end of the episode. <laughs> but we got to jump into what we usually do when we first I don't know what I was trying to say. When we first, 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 first I don't know what accent that was. First. When we first start an episode, we got to check on me. How you doing, boo-boo? I am happy, ooh-ooh. Okay, I feel you. Oh, wait a minute now. Ooh, we in the studio. We making music now. Ooh, we in the studio. <laughs> No, I, I'm continuing this happiness. I think, I wonder if I have seasonal depression. Mm. Like, because the winter blues and stuff. Yeah. It's just like, since this nice weather is coming out, I've been really happy. This past weekend, it's been really, really hot. And I was like, whoa, buddy. Like, this is a sneak peek of the summer. Slow down. Okay, I don't need that much sun beaming. But it's, you know, I'm grateful for the nice weather the nice the rain to cool it all down or whatever um i'm really happy about where i am personally mm-hmm. um because before i was like pressured not per, not not uh people normally do it but people asking questions of where are you in life and having those personal pressures of like dang i should be studying for this or i should be applying for this or i should be flying to here and i should be going to there it's like all those things, but what does Yaya really want? And now I'm sitting in that space of what does Yaya want? And I'm putting a plan for it for myself to do those things in my own timing. Right. And watching it unfold. And watching it un- unfold. And it feels, it feels good. Yeah. We do that like every <laughs> episode. But that's why I'm mad. I feel good. How about you? I I feel I feel good because Hunty, your girl just came back from a vacay she was chilling on the white sand beaches and blue waters of aruba okay with the flamingos and the iguanas welcome back welcome back welcome back welcome you see my face (laughs) i know right yo i came back it was just the it was literally raining when the plane landed and I was like turn this thing around I want to go back on vacation the weather ain't right but no I really did have a great time and I was feeling very grateful while I was there because it was a reminder to me of like the days I wish that I could afford to go on vacation because there were many times where people would ask me to go place and I'm like I can't afford to go I'd love to go yeah maybe next time but um but yeah like I'm glad I'm in a place now where I can like see the fruits of my labor and be able to reward myself because I do work very hard and like I do deserve nice things so just being able to relish in that and just be in the moment like I even have been um I still meditate you know I meditated on the beach one day I meditated by the pool another day yes 
journaled on another day exactly it was really really nice like just just being there um yeah and just reminding myself I think that was was one of the most important things to me just reminding myself of yes I I can have nice things I deserve nice things and I will continue to reward myself with with nice things things. (laughs) because I am worthy, okay, yes. but I, I I really, I really, really, really did have a wonderful time. I'm with my sis Shardaya. Hey, girl. Um, yeah, it was, it was really nice. The spa was amazing. I literally fell asleep on that table. Okay. The ladies, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I snored. Well. The lady tapped me. Like, sorry, girl. Oh, no. <laughs> some poetic fire for us today i can't wait for y'all to hear and meet this poet first time on our podcast so exciting then we're heading over into our hot topic segment with dr ronald love we are going to be discussing mental health and how it affects others 
friends, families, co-workers possibly with undiagnosed mental health concerns that we may have. Then after that, we're heading on over into our dorm story segment to share a few scenarios of others who suffer from mental health issues and how they handle them in their everyday lives, whether it's through medication, therapists, etc. Then, of course, as you know, we're heading over into the community news at the end of the show. So stay tuned through all the way to the end so you can find out some things that you need to know because if you don't, you won't know. Okay? So you can't tell us that we didn't tell you because you wasn't there. You gotta tune in. Hey. Hey. I do. You did good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we can go to the icebreaker. Let's go. Let go. Hey y'all, we're now in our icebreaker segment with Love Loud. Mm-hmm. We are going to be discussing phobias today. What is our greatest phobia? This is going to be a good conversation because I don't think I don't I've ever yours. discussed phobias. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump into it. Moni, what's your biggest phobia? One of my biggest phobias Oh, is... one of them. So you got more than one. <laughs> <laughs> um, losing my memory. Oh. I have a fear of... Do y'all think about that? Because <laughs> I never thought about that. I don't the know. I was of losing your thoughts. That part. I think it comes, I think it stems from sometimes me literally not being able to remember something. I'm like, oh Lord, I'm gonna lose my memory one day. Yeah. I try not to think like that, but there it happens. I don't know if I'm gonna get older, I'm gonna get dementia. Like I, when I lose my memory, I won't know that I lost my memory, but I Dang, think it's scary to think that I won't be able to remember things. So it's also part of the reasons why I like I try to like take a lot of pictures and a lot of videos because one day it could possibly happen that I won't be able to remember certain things or certain people, and that scares me. Because I've seen it happen to people taking care of others that are losing their memory and they yeah. don't know who you are. Yeah. That's crazy. I never thought of that, but that is scary. Yeah. The fear, one of the fears of the unknowns. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that it will happen, but you, you literally don't know. Right. But I love how you said that you like to take pictures and basically. Um, snap, snap, snaps <laughs> um, of these special moments in your life so that the loved ones can remind you of things that you were passionate about or things that you loved or spark that um, that joy that, was, that mm-hmm. was in you when you took that yeah. image. Yeah. Wow, dang. I think I'm scared <laughs> of that too. Shoot. Like, even as far as like um, when I get sick mm-hmm. um, you, I learned of different muscles or how important my nose is, how important my arm or my finger or like a little knuckle is in my body. So just the fear of those things not being able to work kind of creeps in. So not just um, the memory of it, but yeah. those like losing up my sight, my hearing, like those like that. Like what I, my biggest one is, um, this isn't my phobia, but because you said something, when I had arthritis real quick, I had arthritis real quick. I mean, what's it called? <laughs> um, carpal tunnel. <laughs> My bad. I had arthritis real quick, but it went away. <laughs> well, I had carpal tunnel. 
And all I could think was, thank God that it's in my left hand. Because if it was in my right hand, this is what I draw with. Like, what if I can't draw anymore? And even though that's not my, my source of income drawing, it's something that I really enjoy doing. So that's what I thought of. Like, when you're saying that, I'm like, yo, those, those, that's real. There's some things you don't think about all the time, especially yeah. when it comes to, like, walking, talking, smelling, tasting, hearing, all those things that we're able to do every day that some people are not able to, but they still find a way to enjoy life, you right. know? Right. So, like, enjoy what you have while you have it. Anything can be taken away at any moment. Right. Speaking of things taken, being taken away, um, my biggest phobia is water. Big bodies of water. Like the ocean? Like the ocean. Haven't you been on a cruise before? I have. <laughs> and just the idea of it is like, oh, cool, a cruise. But when we pulled up and I saw how big, like, it's basically like a big old building floating on the water. And I was mm-hmm. like, how is this going to stay afloat? Am I going to last? And then it was, at some point, it's like, F it, I already paid for it. Come on down. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, I think about, like, how when God first took away everything, it was through a, a fire. Um, now I think we went through COVID. I think that was a way of, like, not wetting people away, but, like, clearing us up like a wake-up call kind mm-hmm. of situation before I bring up the flood, because I think the flood is next. Right. COVID and, was a form of the plague. Right, and I cannot swim. So I've been through situations where people have tried to teach me how to swim. I had little tea, tea parties under the water, which is like you go to the bottom of the water, and you act like you're drinking tea, and you stay down as long as you can, and then you come up. I've kicked my feet on the side of the pool. I've jumped off of a diving board. Ooh, and, I haven't like, even done that. Things girl. like that to try to help me get over my fear. But it's more so like water. When the water splashes in my face, I just like freak. And I like hold my breath to a point that I can't breathe. Supposed to just relaxing. Like I get so anxious. I don't know why. I cannot swim. But aside from not swim, being able to swim, I just get freaked out about um, like losing myself yeah. in water because I can't fight the water back. I like. Is more than the physical thing is in my mind. Yeah. So my biggest phobia is a body of water. Yes, I'll go to the beach. Yes, I'll go to the pool party. But I'm the friend that's on the side like, hey girl, I pictures. can't swim either. I cannot swim. I said one, one thing I want to do over the summer is to start taking some swimming I'm lessons. Like, too. I'm not afraid to get in the water. Like, I'll, I'm not afraid to get my hair wet. I'll get in, you know. I somehow know how to get myself from one side of the pool to the other. I just put my arms out and kick my leg. And I, <laughs> when I feel the wall, I'm like, all right, I made it to the other side. But I can't do a backstroke. I can't float. Like, none of that. I don't know how to do it. I Someone tried to teach me long, 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 long time ago. Okay. And, I just, <laughs> and I just never did it. Speak, yo, speaking of phobia of water, I didn't realize how afraid I was to not have a life jacket on when I was in Aruba and so I was on this small little rinky-dink boat. Bitch, I can on this boat. <laughs> and, you know, it was a nice little cool ride. We had to go from the hotel to get to the private island that had the flamingos mm-hmm. on it. So we're riding on the boat. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> He cranked up the speed of the boat. We bounced up the back of the boat. And we like, oh, Lord, we about to die. Oh and the way that it was bouncing, it was as if we was about to pop off the back of the boat. <laughs> I was like, I ain't got no life jacket on. My glasses flew off my face. Dang. I was like, I can't even record the experience. I'm about to lose my life here. And I looked over my left shoulder. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Look at the water. The waves were so high from the boat going so fast. Yeah, it splashed. 
a little yes we were getting splashed at one point i had a girl i had a coffee in my hand and, uh, i had salt water on the lid of my coffee i was like the water was very very salty oh and i told shade i was like look at the water she was like no just keep praying <laughs> Just keep praying. Yo, I was like, he should have gave a warning of some sort before he sped up the speed of that boat. It should have been smooth riding all smooth the way. Sailing. To, smooth sailing all the way to that island. It was not. Aww. I need to learn how to swim. Yes. <laughs> I have a phobia of small, falling out of small boats going too fast. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, but the same. I'll go in the pool. I'll like look cute in the pool. I'll play a little game. But as far as like being taken away with the water. Yeah. That's it freaks me out. Any other phobias, ma'am? Um, do we have enough time to share all of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can just stick with the two and move on over to the next segment, which I which is sweet two two three. Yes. Our poet, um, our new friend, our mm-hmm. new friend, Gigi Nadir Ali. Um, you're gonna love this segment, so stay tuned, y'all. Here you go. Welcome back to another poetry segment, Sweet 223 with Love Loud. And we have a special guest, Nadir, who's the poet, who's the writer, the author, the man behind his newest book, Set Me Free. We have a pleasure of having us join, having him join us on our podcast today. He's going to be reciting a poem, Psalms 55. Take it away, Nadir. Thank you, guys. As a poet, I feel everything so deeply, dedicating time to the deeper than those family secrets and decomposing guilts I once buried. I condition my heart to break on command and use the combustion of its shattered debris to create magic, like a potion of my signature spell. I'm a magician, superhuman, who thrives from moment to moment, avoiding the happy ones because like trophies, they are just there for decoration and no major trying by battle scars. Documenting emotion is my priority. In my mind, every second is a day, every word forms an encyclopedia and once every play, I develop lifeline fallacies, directing stories and people however I see fit. Omniscient of every detail, I play God when I give life to the ones whose presence has ceased the mind and get blinded at all in humbleness from praise, from relating or conveying. But all I ever really wanted to do was show the world that I never knew how to let go. To let go because I'd rather take on the guilt and bury it for keepsake and watch the flowers bloom as days go by. I am a recluse hoarding away thoughts or words, never ceasing the moment or the leap of faith because sometimes, sometimes ladies, I struggle with this gift from God. I'm a peacemaker for others. And this poem is a cry for help for mine. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I felt that. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was so good. That was so yes. good. Man, I don't know. We want to get into the questions first. <laughs> I don't know. I'm oh, just saying I'm late. Sometimes I struggle with this gift from God, okay?
hold on somebody and you blessing others but i'm struggling myself come through. Come through. <laughs> oh my god and you know everybody if y'all listen to our podcast before you know i love play with words the trophies are the good mm-hmm. moments like i'm front end i am yes. front end describing yourself as a poet, poet. okay yes. <laughs> oh my gosh i love it i love that piece all right, we gotta let we gotta let you tell us about you. <laughs> yeah, tell us about you, and then we'll get into your your piece. But that was good. Um, yeah. So Simone, um, Yaya, um, my name is Nadir Ali Young. Um, I dropped the the young part because I, my nickname is Na, so like the initials N A. So yeah. So I go by Nadir Ali as a poet. Um, I'm 30 years old, born and raised in Philadelphia. Um. I don't know. I'm I'm a Sagittarius. I'm always. <laughs> um, I work in healthcare, but I love poetry. Yes. Um, it was always an outlet for me. Um, as a kid, and became something of what was therapeutic to a hobby to a passion. So, yeah, <laughs> that's what I had. Right I love it. I love it. Um, how did you learn to write, or was this just something that you grew into? Um, I want to say God. I feel like we all have talents. Um, and it's just a matter of the right place, the right time to tap into those different elements. Um, but I feel like one, it, it comes from God. Um, I started writing at fifteen, and in high school, I want to say my junior year. Uh. My teacher, he did this assignment where so we wrote a poem like our first day and we shared the poem with the class. And then the entire year, we had to write poems with that theme. Okay. So I think that was like the practice into the journey of journaling and writing overall. And it just something that I just gravitated towards. Okay. Yes, gravitating. <laughs> I love that you said it was a gift from God, because even if your teachers gave you that assignment to do that, um, that was something that was naturally given to you. Mm-hmm. So some people may have struggled with it or it's just not their taste, but you found an art in that and you found your your outlet, something that I'm sure has helped you through different situations and helped you to navigate through life. So that's really amazing. I love that you said that God taught you that. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So can we get into the piece? Yes. Talk about Psalm 55. I love it. I love it. Yes. I want to start with, with the inspiration behind. Honestly, I mean, I'm a I'm a God-fearing man. Like I well, so here's my background. I grew up in Islam. Okay. Um, but reading, reading the Quran and reading the hadith and seeing how family members and just people how they move in the religion is like you're you're hypocrite like you're a hypocrite and I mean we don't speak on it but as people like we grow up in dogma you know our grandparents taught our parents one way our parents taught us to do something one way and then we you know it's just it's just a cycle um and I just I just strayed away from it so I found comfort in Christianity um it spoke to my spirit mm-hmm. um and, and help me heal in certain ways. So, you know, I started to pick up the Bible and read it. And um, Psalms 55 
looking back on it, I, I can't recall what it was about, but reading that scripture um, brought me some peace and tranquility. And we go through these phases where so we're transitioning, we're losing people or gaining people in our lives and whatnot. Wow. Um, and I was going through a season where so people were leaving my life. And, you know, the, the scripture gave comfort to me, but I just realized, okay, um, if you have to go this way and we have to sever ties, it is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm not going to beg someone to stay in my life. Yes. Um, I'm not going to fight for someone that doesn't want to be here. And I'm not going to have an internal conflict within myself battling why, you know, why, why are these things happening? Um, so that's what kind of led to the peace. Yes. That does lead to yeah. peace. Yeah. You, <laughs> you let things flow and you let things go that just weighing you down. You don't need it no more. Yes. <laughs> it it brings you peace. For real. <laughs> How do you, so the way that you wrote this poem, I pay attention to wordplay all the time. And that's what like draws me into poems mm -hmm. a lot of times, especially when it has a message and it's telling a story. So yes. is this your, is this your, um, your go-to form or do you have different styles that you typically play with? I try to switch it up. Okay. I try to switch it up because I don't want, I want to keep the reader or the audience on their toes. I like what kept me interested in poetry was like slam poetry, you know, like people bad on each other. And I mean, it's just a whole bunch of wordplay. So it's just like, I wanted to do that, but I know that I'm not like a rapper. Okay. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, I know that I'm, I'm more skilled with just writing. Um, but how can I make it dynamic? How can I, how can I seem a little bit perplexed? Not just, one way or like monotone or like okay like I, I want to keep you interested and surprised so that's what I tried to do with the book um not all the poems are written the same way um in like the format or the length of them like mm -hmm. you have some pretty lengthy ones but I just I I try to keep it interesting that's yes. good and I'm glad that you um trickled in the book because that was my next question what inspired you to put your book together because a lot of us and some people may be listening now just have poems in our notes section in our phone or mm -hmm. in journals in our closet or things like that so what yeah. inspired you to actually bind your books and put them out there for people to be able to read themselves to be honest yeah yeah it was something i always wanted to do like um <laughs> It's weird. Oh my gosh. Uh, I don't like. I don't want to make it like spiritually driven, but like you know, let it flow. Let it flow. It is what it is. Yes, we have to be honest. True carpet. <laughs> like I mean, you remember like being a kid and growing up, and your parents asking your people asking you what do you want to be when you grow up. Yes. It wasn't for me. It wasn't being a cop, a president, a doctor, or engineer. I wanted to be honest. Like I wanted to be a martyr. Okay. If I can sacrifice my life to give it a hatred or poverty in the world, that's what I wanted to do. My, my dream was to be monumental. Um, but with poetry, it's timeless. It's yes. boundless. Anyone can relate to it. You can write, like, I'm pretty sure you written something 10 years ago and you read it today. And one of your friends would be like, damn. Like, <laughs> like, oh, like, it is what it is. But like, 
that's the beauty of poetry like it transcends time yes timeless and when when i'm no longer here this and any i mean any other thing that i create but i knew that i wanted to create something and and leave it here like the beyonce song um i was here yeah. like i wanted i want something to be left some kind of legacy in a sense Say yes, it. Come on, yes. <laughs> I love it. See, you have to tell us the truth, and we, we, we got it. We got the it. truth for what? Set, Set you free. free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. This is my first podcast. I'm so nervous. <laughs> no, I love it. You don't seem nervous at all. Right. I appreciate it. Where can we get the book? Um, so right now is on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Um, oh, the cover. I mean, the cover too. Thank yo yo. So I was um I was talking to one of my homies and he has this dope art. Um, the guy who did the cover art, his name is Von Don underscore Art V O N V O N underscore A R T. He's an amazing artist from New Orleans and he lives in Texas. And we literally like, I was like, yo, like I really like your art. I'm making a book and I would like for you to do the cover art. And we set up a phone call. He was like, um, I, he was like, I thought this would be like a FaceTime interaction. I was like, okay, sure. So <laughs> it was like, it was like a five minute phone call that turned into an hour long FaceTime, like consultation. Yeah. I did three poems with him. He was like, yo, I really want to do justice by this, yada, yada, yada. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know what I want, but I know when I hold my first book in my hand, it's going to be like a pinkish, purplish kind of thing and I knew that I wanted a bird cage and a bird leaving because mm. the the whole overall theme of the book is deliverance mm. going through things and then you coming out of it and you yes. breaking free from it so um it was a wonderful process like you ever like work with the artist and they exceed your expectations I was just ah oh, <laughs> So yeah, I mean the the cover art is crazy. Um, I would love to make a website, um, but you know I need to make more content like you guys. Like you you guys have tons of content in here. So maybe a year, like you know, okay. build myself up and then yeah, have some content where it's just more than just me selling a book online. Yeah, gotcha. absolutely. Come on, goals. Yes, I love it. Where can the people find you if they want to follow you on Instagram? or anywhere yeah so i have um i have instagram um it's naughty underscore ali so n-a-d-d-i underscore a-l-i underscore yes Yes. oh okay and then also um i know you had an event for your um your book um signing and you know speaking to people about that but do you do engagements or are you looking forward to doing any engagements um right now i just do like open mics in philly i would love to do um a college tour uh one of my professors from westchester she teaches at lincoln now and she was like yeah you know in the, um, the upcoming year i would love for you to come on campus and i'm like sure why not um so yeah college tours would be great that'll be dope um but definitely, like, when I go to vis- visit different cities, I definitely want to try out their open mic night scene. Like, I'm no, I'm going to New York in a couple of weeks to see my cousin. And they have a spot called New Yorican. Like, how um, in D.C., how they got, like, a busboy and poets. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so um, just checking out the poetry scene and just, you know, building the following that way. Yes, do that. <laughs> You're going to get your following. Yes. Thank you. Do you have any other questions? I would like to know in regards to creating your book, like what was the process like in like choosing the pieces that encompasses your entire, your baby? <laughs> um, <laughs> going back to what you guys said about like, having, you know, being a poet and a writer, like we have all these notes um, in our phones or like paper notepads and stuff like that. Um, this took about a decade, um, you know, just figuring out what pieces really resonate with me um, and then transcribing them all into one document and then having that over the years, like, you know, is this, is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? Um, but just being, having the time to like sit and contemplate um, and being immobile due to, you know, COVID in the past couple of years, uh, for the past few years, um, it was just the right time to release it. So I, I had a document of all these different poems for over a decade and I just pick and choose which ones were my favorite, deleted them. Um, and then Amazon has this easy process. Um, you just, if you have an account, like you can make a separate not a separate account but they have like their kdp publishing kindle direct i think it's kindle direct publishing um whereas all you have to do is just upload your manuscript or your word document and they'll just put it all together oh nice oh, wow yeah mm -hmm. so they made it very easy and very simple i mean they gave you the free um isbn number on the back so yeah. You know, it's like the social security number for the book. So yes, <laughs> that was legit now. So yeah. yeah. Got it yeah. at your ISBN. Well, congratulations. Thank you, for God. Composing your work of art. Yeah. Can't wait to get a copy for myself. Yes. Thank um, you. I need y'all book too. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so Absolutely. I'm gonna make that purchase today. Um, I saw your link tree and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, cool. So I have to buy it. I have to buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Come on, exchanging of the poetry. Okay. Oh, well. We're definitely going to order your book as well. And hopefully we're here when you come to New York so we can go to the poetry open mic together. Yeah. Go. Be dope, for real. Yeah. I'm here yeah. for it. I'm here for it. Yes. Well, it was an absolute pleasure having you on our podcast today. Yes. So Thank excited. You. you did an amazing yeah. job. Right. Nerves <laughs> and all. You did great. Yes. <laughs> Mind you, I mean, like, I know this, like, y'all do this, like, professionally. I'm just, like, I can't make a mistake. Although, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> okay, I make mistakes. Right, make mistakes all the time. Women, all the time, yes. So you guys are in New York? Yes. Okay, okay, cool. I thought y'all were in Atlanta. Um, so we met in Atlanta. Right. Yes, and then we're, she's in New York, I'm in Jersey. We switched. Oh, bet. Yeah. We ain't that far from each other. Yeah, that's what we say. Hey, come on. <laughs> so we will see you soon. Right. Yes, yes yeah. definitely. Definitely. I'm excited about this. Me yeah. too. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode. We are in our cat, I was about to say podcast, but we are in our 
cafeteria segment with a special guest who's gonna be sipping some tea with us today we have this is a special episode for me because i have two of my best friends here my first best friend who's dr ronald love joining us on this podcast dr love dr love is with (laughs) us Yes, and if you're wondering, yes, we are related. That's my son, y'all. That's my son. That's my cousin. <laughs> Ronald, welcome to our podcast, Ron. How are you feeling? Hey, y'all. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I'm ready to talk about some good things that's going on that we should be talking about in our communities. How are Amen. you all? Amen to that. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm doing all right. I can't complain. I'm here. I'm blessed. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> and I forgot to mention too that this is another special episode because we have another um CAU Panther here with Come us. Come on now, right? Keep, we keep reeling them in, oh, just reeling the them fall. in. Okay, I mean, if CAU exudes greatness, finding ways of making them. Yes, exactly. Find a way or make one. Ronald also attended Columbia, and you know he he's that dude. He's that guy. today our topic is about mental health um ronald is a doctor of psychology and we're going to be talking about undiagnosed concerns that impact our relationships today this topic came up because we were spending all together during thanksgiving and just talking about you know things that bothered us basically during childhood that went um undiagnosed or our parents you know may have not paid attention to it and it's impacting our relationships so mm-hmm. here we are so most after thanksgiving finally recording this podcast and getting it started so before we jump into it ronald did, sorry ron is there anything that i missed that you want the people to know about who you are um you pr- pretty much hit it spot on i am a doctor of psychologist psychology excuse me i currently work um with children and adolescents in washington dc and in, in maryland um, and I'm also one half of the host of a mental health podcast called Unpacked and Detangled. Period. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, as I as I, as you mentioned, we're going to talk about these things that go undiagnosed or unnoticed, I should say. Yeah, unnoticed is a good word too. So mm-hmm. let's just um, kick it off with the first question: What are some common mental health concerns that go undiagnosed? I want to focus specifically on the black and brown communities, right? Okay. So within those communities, mental health has been this, we have this stigma around mental health growing up or just years in our community. So a lot of things that we go through are uh, undiagnosed or unnoticed. For example, depression in our communities, uh, depression, especially with the older part of our communities, they may look at depression as feeling the blues right Mm -hmm. so like you're not really thinking that you're depressed you're just down you hop out of this right right? or um anxiety is just you know I'm feeling nervous about something and you know it'll bounce back from this so a lot of those issues that we have in our communities depression anxiety um some serious things like bipolar disorder uh, those things go undiagnosed in our communities because a lot of us in the community don't typically seek out mental health. If you, if you, if you get what I'm saying, yeah, we don't seek out that mental health help. We look at it as a weakness 
uh, the main, the first thing we'll do is go to church and we'll pray it away or we'll, we'll try to talk to somebody else. Or like, for example, with, with kids, particularly acting out, everybody look at that as bad parenting or the kids don't know, um, don't have any manners. But acting out is a form of, of I would say, um, external behaviors, externalizing behaviors that can signal that that child is going through something internally. Um, they, they may be depressed. They may have anxiety. They may be experiencing some, um, I'll say, chemical imbalance in the brain that's causing them to do certain behaviors or act in certain ways. So we always label these things other things in our communities, which can cause us to continue to live life having issues that are unnoticed or undiagnosed. Yeah. yeah. Right. Especially when it comes to, to children, because I've noticed oftentimes I work in education, I've been working in education for a while, and just noticing when a child is acting a certain way, but mm-hmm. not fully understanding like okay well why are they acting like this is it something Mm -hmm. at home or is it truly because of something that happened in the classroom and being able to talk to that child and truly understand Mm -hmm. what's going on with their life outside of these walls and then giving them the space to be comfortable enough to want to speak about you know things that are causing them to act the way that they Mm -hmm. are and helping them figure out Mm -hmm. what's going what's going on right I think it could be a little bit of both of something that's going on at home or something that's going on in the classroom, right? Um, in terms of at home, a lot of times with children and students particularly, they act, they act out in the school because they're trying to express or trying to get somebody's attention that I'm not okay, right? right? Something's, something's not okay. With specifically things that's going on in a school, it can be the other thing like being bullied. But a lot of times in the school, or even at home, you there's triggers, and something triggered these behaviors. Mm-hmm. Something started these behaviors, and it's good to pay attention to that. So what you'll see is when a student have a problem, if you're working in a school setting or in a setting with kids, when uh, a child or adolescent have an issue, if it's going on particularly at home, then the behaviors might be ongoing. You know, it might be it's always like ongoing in the schools, or it might. Uh, get really intense at one moment um, and you want to look for those changes in behaviors if it's going on at school you want to look at their interpersonal like relationships how are they um, interacting with their peers did a peer say something to them or are they really isolated in school typically when there's mental health things or situations in the home as well you want to pay attention to like how how's their eating looking at their body uh, are they isolating themselves and not talking about it. A lot of times when kids have problems at school, they're quick to talk about who did what at the school, what teacher say something to them, what student did something to them. But when it's coming from the home, especially in our communities, uh, a lot of times you're not going to, like what happens in the home stays in the home. So you're not going to really put your parents' business out there unless you have somebody that you really trust at school that you know is not going to tell your parent. Right. I, I love the way that you're going now because that's transitioning us to the second question that I have, which is why do you think these things go undiagnosed? And we're talking about these people, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of times you already hit it on a nail with um what stays in what happens in the home stays in the home. Mm-hmm. And then also too with um the older generation saying, um, it's just the blues or 
they just shy or like whatever reason opposed to going to seek help other other places but aside from that do you think there's any other reason of how these things or why these things go diagnosed Big thing I will say, and and I'm going to throw a little curveball in here too at you, is uh, so I want to talk about how sometimes you may have problems in our communities, right? And you may seek out that help, rightfully so, but you're being misdiagnosed as well. So Mm -hmm. we have undiagnosed, and now we have misdiagnosed. Undiagnosed is like maybe you're not seeking the problem help for that problem and you're going other ways, right? But now an added layer is you may have sought out problems for attention maybe. And because you're going to somebody who's not trained in your diverse uh, background, you are getting misdiagnosed. Black Black people are highly diagnosed with schizophrenia when it's not necessarily schizophrenia. It is one, cultural things that we go through in our community, and two, maybe bipolar disorder, where we're like, which is more, which seems is less severe than schizophrenia, but is, is more manageable. Mm-hmm. Schizophrenia, for people who don't understand, is, is a, a severe mental disorder. And some of the symptoms of that is uh, hallucinations and delusions. So hallucinations, seeing things, hearing voices, um, specifically within certain cultures, um, especially if you're big in a church setting, in a black church setting, you may talk to the spirits, you may catch the Holy Ghost. And for people who don't understand these cultures, looking into the culture, you may think that this is a normal, normal based off the white, you know, majority culture. So mm-hmm. those things can go misdiagnosed uh, because you don't have representation. So now we have people who are being misdiagnosed, and then we have our, our culture who's um, aren't seeking treatment for these things because of how our culture is, but also because there's a mistrust in healthcare of, mm, uh, from our yeah. culture. So all these components leading up to why we're struggling with our own mental health and we're not really seeking it and now we don't know what's going on. And by the time we know what's going on, it may be too late, mm. right? Another mm-hmm. factor too, suicide, right? And, and, and this is just taking a, a, a little toll, but suicide mm-hmm. in our community is looked at as a weakness, right? Um, in a black culture, if you're suicide, you're weak. If, you're su- if, you're su- if you committed suicide, are you really black? Because did you have the strength to be strong and make it through you know, life, if you're in a black church, you know, suicide is looked at as, as a sin, you commit suicide, you're going to hell. So for somebody who may be thinking of suicide, may be really depressed, they might be afraid to really express this to other and seek help, because now they're looking at, looked at as weak, or, you know, being sinful. So those are components of things that contribute to why we have um, un- un- undiagnosed or misdiagnosed yeah. uh, factors in in mental health in our communities. I wish I had the round of applause <laughs> audio to be like, yeah! like to give you a round of applause because you brought up some great points. And while you were speaking, I thought of um, some things. As far as the DSM, there's a lot of um, 
diagnoses that are in there that have to be diagnosed by a certain age. Mm-hmm. And if they're not diagnosed by that age, a toddler, mm-hmm. young um, adolescent, like things like that, then you miss that chance for that, that opening space for that child to be, for that person to be diagnosed with right. certain things. Right. And then the other thing that I'm thinking too, as far as our um, society and our culture, um, a lot of things happen when I was younger that in my head, I would think, dang, am I crazy? There's something wrong with me that I wouldn't want to say out loud. So as far as like when people say, oh, you, she'd be talking to herself. She crazy. So I'd be like, dang, well, sometimes I talk to myself like, or I hear things in my head, not thinking it's me internalizing things or mm-hmm. not really understanding as a kid. So I like hold those things self to myself. Mm-hmm. Or you hear like grownups talking or whatever, and you hear about um a psych ward and things and people being wrapped up and can't do stuff. And that's a crazy house. So I'm like, I don't want nobody to think that about me. So I'm not going to tell mm-hmm. my, my parents or anybody of what I'm going through or what I'm experiencing or I'm feeling, because I don't want to be perceived as that crazy mm-hmm. person. Now, as an adult, if you know me, I'm into psychology and therapy too. I've been in a psych ward and I've seen how it is and it's not how it, it looks or no no nowhere close of how it was televised on tv Mm -hmm. so like it was crazy because as an adult i was like dang i wish i would have said something because one somebody could could have corrected me and said yeah yeah it's like i hear things too or i talk to myself too like as an adult like when we normalize it but then too if there was something wrong then you know i would have had some kind of support if i needed that as a child so that too of hearsay and putting your ear to the window I mean to the door of what adults are saying we internalize that and say oh dang I don't want to be deemed as that even as adults oh, I ain't crazy like some clients say I ain't crazy I don't need no individual therapist or blah blah, blah. so right. it's like you're not going to go get the help because of the perception of what our community look at right you mentioned a, a few things that has struck me and one as kids, when we're told things and we're watching things on TV, we're sort of, like you say, we're learning this. So as adults, and, and mainly really the, the a huge part of therapy as an adult is unlearning mm. all of those things that you've been through or that unlearn. you, yeah, you have to unlearn those things and sort of raise a new person up, raise yeah. yourself up as an adult with new views and healthy views and healthy skills that you did. And then one more thing, um, just to take it back about like undiagnosed or um, un, un, um, or not noticed, unnoticed things is when you say things you went through in your childhood, mm-hmm. trauma comes in all shapes and sizes and no one is safe from this, right? Yes. As us coming from, so I'm from an urban area. I'm from, I'm from North. I don't know, like Simone, and I know you're from Oakland. Yes, I am. Right. <laughs> I'm from the same household as Ryan. Right. So, like, I know in our household growing up, we've seen some things, uh, not even in the household, but in those communities. Mm. You see things and you witness things as a kid that may impact what you're going through as an adult, right? So, like, have you ever noticed, like, when you're in certain neighborhoods, you're always, like, just really focused, zone, like, paying a close attention to your surroundings? Yeah. Um, you may avoid certain things, certain areas. You may Up get scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, those are like we're us as Black people living in these communities are experiencing what we call uh, community trauma, community violence, and that builds up into 
you know, your life and you're starting to be affected by that and not realizing that certain things that you went through or experienced or witnessed as a kid is also affecting your mental health. So trauma, we hear this word going around a lot, but, and when we think of trauma or PTSD, we often think of you didn't go to war or you oh, wasn't necessarily yes. shot mm -hmm. at yourself, but you being exposed to trauma, to violence, um, of, of any form can also impact your mental health. So now you're wondering like, why do I react like this to that? Or why do I feel that way about that? Or why does this scare me? It's because you may have had that experience as a kid, um, or you may have worked with people or heard stories about their experiences and now it's affecting you. So like, mm -hmm. it's important that you realize these things and, and sort of seek out ways to release those traumas or release um, or deal with those mental health issues that may be there. Yo, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, as y'all were speaking, I literally kept thinking like misdiagnosed community. And I'm like, I feel like a lot of people that I grew up around was suffering mm -hmm. from some form of PTSD from the trauma that they suffer from within the community, whether it was had to deal with gun violence, drugs, whatever fighting that they saw, walking mm -hmm. down the street and seeing a dead body or something like that. Like there's just mm -hmm. so many different things that occurred in childhood that children should not have seen. And right. they're probably suffering from some, they hear a sound and they jump or they walking around somewhere constantly checking their bag, wondering, you know, but right. you know, constantly checking their bag, that's normal to them. But is it is it normal though? Like is it you okay to live like that? Is it is it normal? And to answer that question, question. I will I want I will ask you that if I go into a suburban neighborhood where there's not much violence, uh, there's they're they're mostly financially stable. The schools are good. The schools um, do not have metal detectors to get in and out of. Is what's normal? Is that the normal? is like, you know, are they experiencing these same type of traumas? And mm -hmm. the answer would be no, they're not really experiencing these things. And they don't know what we're experiencing on the opposite end, which isn't normal. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're, all, we're already placed at a disadvantage from the day we were born than they are. And we're going to experience a lot more of those community um, traumas and community violence, um, which gonna impact us later on than a lot of the majority race in this country will you know mm -hmm. i have i have white friends or i have yeah white friends who sometimes don't understand why i'll say oh you need to not let people like why are you letting people in your house to fix stuff while you're not there like you know that that i don't trust <laughs> that because like, yeah. my white friend trusted 100% he's like oh it's nothing what do you mean Mm -hmm. Or like, if he say, oh, I, uh, I should report that I saw somebody breaking into somebody's car. I took pictures. I should send their pictures to the police, right? I'm like, uh, no, you mind car. your business. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, so those are different factors that our life, our different, our separate lives had impacted us separately. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I agree. Like, it's not normal. It's not normal to all, like. Those, those experiences yeah <laughs> oh, that's just so sad like just as a as a kid you were probably like 13 
walking in school, getting your book bag checked and the metal detector and it's just your keys, like just like all of that is just flashing in my head, just, just the memory or like having that drunk or that person that was on the block that was always on drugs. And we thinking that's the funny person, but as an adult, you like, oh, like we thought this was a cool person on the block, but he really was going through some stuff. So like a lot of those things just are popping in my head now, but every so often they pop in my head through life too. It's like, as a kid, we were really going through some stuff and not knowing it. Mm-hmm. And it really does have an impact on um, your socialization as an adult and you you as a um, person. But my next question um, is, how do you know? Like, cause you, like if this is the way that we grew up and like a lot of people that's in our circles grew up typically the same way. Like if you came from an urban environment, typically your circle is the same, especially if you never left that that hood that you came from. So how do you know? How does a person know that they should go and seek professional um, assistance or to speak with anybody? Because you can also, if you're a child, you can uh, get help from your pediatrician too. Um, and then if they need more assistance, then they can direct you to a psychiatrist or psychologist. But back to the question, how do you know? A lot of times we don't know, right? If we're not coming out of those spaces and those communities and if we're here all our lives and we're not really learning and people aren't telling us then we're con- we're, we're stuck in that setting usually a lot of times when we do know is because we see other people who are healthy we see other ways that life can go we're reading we're learning the more educated we get um i think for us our generation up you know, we're still struggling. I would say not even our generation, our parents' generation and grandparents' generation. So baby right? boomers and up. I mean, younger. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, though they they are the ones that's like really selfish right now for getting in therapy, right? I don't care how many times I would tell like my mom or somebody of her age, like, oh, you should go to therapy. They're not like, they, they're not going to do it. I even <laughs> found a bunch of therapists for my mom to go to, and she has yet to, and this was like years ago, yet to contact any of them, right? That. <laughs> right. But our generation are better with that. We're starting to get into it. The younger generation are becoming more aware of their mental health. They're, because of the, the social media, because they're more, um, involved in in different things in life so how do we know we don't necessarily until somebody like a friend a family member a loved one tell us that this is something that you need to do this is something you need to check out if that's what you want to do usually when you have mental health issues undiagnosed or diagnosed they're impacting your relationships Mm -hmm. with other people so if you see that impact the relationships with other people then you might say maybe I'll go to therapy to work on my relationship problems and a lot of times when people start therapy they don't come for the real reason that they Mm -hmm. need to be there it's something that brought them there a breakup a job symptom family members said I should seek out therapy and they get there and now everything is unraveling Mm -hmm. so that's how you know you typically if it's impact if something's really impacting your day-to-day relationships your day-to-day job your life then you should have something going on in your head maybe I should seek help for this maybe I should go and just talk to somebody and realize what's going on in my life yeah those are good points or what about like maybe if you notice a pattern like like it's always me in every situation at every job that I get it seemed like I'm having a problem or every relationship that I have 
it seemed like this specific thing, like communication is always the problem. Or when I'm always losing my friends, yeah. it seems like the same thing is always a problem. So maybe realizing a pattern in yourself could be um, a telltale sign of um, that you may look for an outside source to figure out what's going on. Or yeah, when you're, you're, you're the common denominator in all, all of the problems you're having. So something must be wrong with you. And that just goes back to this is interrupting some something in my life so if you're constantly having a bunch of breakups and it's around the same reason then that means okay I need to go talk to somebody or you're constantly having the same problems at work you got fired from the last three jobs for the same reason mm-hmm. what's going on with me that it I need to go and check this out why am I keep getting this done this way right. or, yeah you can't or if you have that woe was me but right. yeah yeah that woe was me all all the time you everything is you're always the victim in everything maybe just go talk to somebody about being a victim and then that therapist that you're talking to will help you realize that maybe you aren't the victim maybe you are the uh perpetrator hey yeah that's a real thing (laughs) y'all yeah okay so now that those questions are out of the way i want to know um because we talked about childhood and the trauma and all those things how um, do you think that those mental health concerns are impacting us today, our relationships with ourselves and our relationship with others? You can choose which route you want to answer. I'll start with others. Um, I think, I think as I mentioned a, a, a few questions ago, that when you have severe mental health problems, or not even severe, when you have unaddressed mental health problems or undiagnosed mental health problems, it will impact how you if you have relationships with other people, um, for example, you may be having more difficulties getting along with your supervisor and your coworkers um, because you have some issues. Maybe you're depressed um, and now you're thinking negative about uh, everybody around you. I, I Have you ever seen a depressed person who you try to bring them out of depression, but it's always something deeper than what it is, or they mm. have a they have like a negative response to your positive yeah. response. Oh yes, you know you'd be like, just keep me, just keep your head up, friend. I'm like, I can't keep my head up because it feels broken, or if I have my head up, I'm gonna have a crick in my neck. So like, it's always something. So with depression, you typically start to isolate yourself from people, mm. right? Um. A lot of times with anxiety, you probably make other people around you feel anxious, right? Um, when 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 it's certain things, say somebody has a personality disorders, and those are often undiagnosed because a lot of times people do not know they have personality disorder unless they have some severe relationship problems. And that's a big piece of it. When you have like a personality disorder, you have problems with relationships. So uh for 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 those um those type of people make you just feel it in your body for some reason like you you can't put a pin on it you you're like something's wrong with this person but you feel it in your body that they could be manipulative or uh you know really trying to um either avoid all relationships or trying to attach to you because it's for their mental health or they're trying to manipulate you by saying they're going to kill themselves but not really wanting to kill themselves they just want that attention from you um so these are problems that as a person this is how you will probably recognize somebody with these issues because it's impacting their relationships with you or their relationships with others 
um, in terms of their relationships with themselves. Um, somebody with back to depression, somebody with depression would think negative about themselves. They is is always negativity, negativity about themselves, their future, um, their achievements. Um, somebody with anxiety, it, it, you would feel it usually in your body. Um, anxiety is one of those ones you are really feeling in your body, or if you pay attention to your thoughts, it's like obsessive thoughts over things. Uh, for example, if you have social anxiety and that's undiagnosed, and you didn't know you had social anxiety until now you're starting one of your big jobs and it's time for you to give a presentation, all of a sudden these things starting to trigger where it's performance anxiety, which is a form of social anxiety, but you're starting to have these butterflies in your stomach and now you're avoiding every chance you can um, when it comes to you speaking in large crowds um, or presenting something that may be used on a big scale. So you're having these things, you're feeling it, you're thinking it, you're having irrational thoughts like I'm going to fail, um, I'm, I'm going to shit my pants while I'm speaking, stuff like that. Those are things that you will notice. So um, for yourself, pay attention to your reactions, your body. Um, and, and then if they become severe or continuous, then you want to be able to say, okay, something's actually wrong with me. You know, yeah. a, a big thing about like paying attention to your body. I um, mean, I know you both know a little bit about like hypochondriac. <laughs> so like a lot of times when people who we used to consider hypochondriac is now like somatic, uh, somatic symptom disorder in today's dsm but those those symptoms that you was feeling may not been they could have been but most of the time they were exacerbated by your anxiety or different things that you're thinking or maybe yeah. some feelings that you're having um, and now you hear you're that mom you hear that mom <laughs> <laughs> and now you're having these somatic symptoms uh so that was, like if you and if you don't know about these things or not educated you won't know that this could be a mental illness or um you're, you're going around with some undiagnosed issue but the thing that you should do is pay attention to yourself because now um your relationship with yourself is starting to get impacted because now you're thinking overthinking things and you may be overly concerned about this thing mm -hmm. um where it can be something else or you may not be getting the help about something that you may be stressed about and now is impacting your physical health and now you're mm -hmm. really sick but doctors don't know what's going on with you but it's a mm -hmm. mental issue that's another thing they go to the doctors about one thing and they can't find anything that's going on. And then the doctor may suggest, well, have you tried seeing a psychologist or a therapist? Um, because I don't see anything here. So maybe whatever is going on, that stress that you're having or something else could be impacting what you're feeling physically. Yo, that is so real. I promise just myself, just last week, I, I I just knew I was sick. I knew I was coming down with a cold. Something just had to be wrong. Took a COVID test twice. It was negative. I was like, is it because it's spring? Is it my allergies? But I went home over the weekend, had mm -hmm. so much rest. And I was like, I was just stressed out. It was just a very long week of mm -hmm. like constantly running and doing things. And my body was telling me, girl, you need to slow down. You need to lay down. You need right. to go to sleep. Yeah. And I had, I ended up taking a nap that I didn't even know I needed. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and slept for the majority of the day. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, now I feel great. Those body aches I was having, they aren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. I was stressed out. I yeah. love how you said um, pay attention. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I love how you said pay attention to the patterns that you have going on with yourself. And with me, while you were speaking, it reminded me of when I came to Maryland last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so self-disclosure, I just realized that in my dating life, that every time something went wrong with a guy, whether like if we didn't work out, I would just snap back to my childhood and mm-hmm. snap back to um like when my dad, like things not working out with my dad and mm-hmm. meaning like my parents separated and then I no longer had my dad like as the primary person in my life. And it would just like always go back to like, my dad was the first guy who ghosted me. My dad was the first guy relationship that didn't work out. So I went down to um, the DMV area and lo and behold, that's where Ryan lives. So I went to go see him prior to and was just like, preparing myself for a meeting with my dad because I figured maybe I'll like work on that and fix my quote-unquote what the black community calls daddy issues like mm-hmm. start to work on those things and it wasn't until Ronald pointed it out to me that I realized that um the people that I love and have close to me I tend to run away from mm-hmm. but the people that like I don't really care for I tend to try to pull and reel them in and I guess that like from a child, I learned that. And after Ron said that, I started to pay attention to it. So like me and Simone, we're best friends, but we argue too. And I love to, when whenever we get into an argument, I love to hang up with Simone. Or I love to leave the apartment and just get away from her because I don't want to deal with it. But Simone likes to reel it in. And it's important to have healthy conversations too and to notice those patterns with yourself. So now like I'm working on it in therapy myself and just speaking with my therapist about like, the arguments that I had with Simone and my relationship with my dad and the argument that not I wouldn't say argument but like a, a a disagreement that I had with someone that else in my life um it was it was a proud moment to see my flip from last year to this year of how even though it's uncomfortable we're talking to these people who I call close in my life now I feel so much better afterwards so it is important what I'm saying too is to pay attention to the patterns that you have, to not be afraid to address them or to tackle them. And it also may take time because I'm talking about little Yaya versus adult, like teenage and pre-Yaya to 30-year-old Yaya, the changes that I made. But it yeah. took also um, for some strength in me and not being afraid or being afraid, but just still going for it. But also, which is the next question of having that support in your life. So mm. um if you notice somebody in your life that has some stuff going on, what would you advise? Like, how do you, how do you uh, suggest somebody who you love and care about to seek mental health? Right. That's really a good and tricky question because we walk thin lines with people sometimes where we don't want to say anything that will ruin a relationship. Right. But then on the other end, if somebody is really suffering and is impacting our relationships with them, we'll be quick to say, forget it. Like, I'm just going to pull away from this relationship and give you the space, not understanding that they may be going through things. So I would, I won't say there's a right and wrong way to be there for somebody or help them. I would just say, one, you want to just try to keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. Um, 
sort of sometimes take your, if you know that they're going through something, take yourself out of it. So if they say anything that may be hurtful to you while you're trying to help them, then take that out of it. it I know it's going to hurt a little bit, but don't hold it against them because, you know, mental illness is serious and sometimes it impacts, you know, our relate, like how we, what we say to other people when they're trying to come at us about certain things. I think yeah. about, uh, I think about in the last season of, uh, euphoria when zendaya her character rue had a addiction and addiction is a mental illness as well she was addicted to drugs and her friends intervened most of her friends was trying to help her out her parent and her sister on this episode on this episode was trying to help her out and rue went and told everybody off she aired some secrets she ruined a lot of re- or potentially ruined a lot of relationships but then she, when she got sober, she had to go back and apologize because she didn't mean those things. It was that mental illness that was, you know, coming out and talking to her. So like, as a friend, if you know somebody has a mental illness, you have to be prepared that it may backfire on you, but you can't hold that against them, hold it against the mental yeah. illness, right? So I would say just be there and talk to them. And as you continue to talk to them, always, um suggesting that they talk to somebody else that who who may be uh objective outside of your opinion somebody who is trained and who um cannot judge them or will not judge them about those things because as a friend you're also going to be subjective and you're going to have your opinion and when you give that advice to your friends it's coming out of a place that you are emotionally involved in this situation as well so you can't separate yourself from their situation so always encouraging friends to talk to somebody about it now also we we also have to know that going to therapy isn't everybody's thing it might not work for everybody right so if you see that your friend is going through something you may want to suggest alternative forms of help that may be working out, doing something self-care wise that can help really. It might not take away fully what's going on with them, but it will give them some skills that they can use that if my mental health get to an elevated point, I can utilize the skill to at least bring it back down and learn how to live with it. Mm-hmm. So those are things that you can do because you can't force nobody to change. You can't force nobody to go to therapy, but you can sort of plant seeds there that will give them skills and tools to help them get through. So maybe doing activities together that will enhance their self-care skills. Um, maybe setting an example for yourself, like showing them, like guiding them through it or showing them that you're doing it and you're taking care of your own mental health. So if you're in therapy, just say things like, oh yeah, it's this funny thing my therapist said to me or my therapist helped me with something like this. Maybe you should be you know, but don't necessarily accuse them of having mental health issues. Don't be, you know, blaming them for anything. Be more of help, helping them be empathetic to towards them. Yeah, I've definitely been in a situation where 
I've noticed someone started to act different and not necessarily mm-hmm. how people say, you mm-hmm. know, they're growing to become a better person and like doing all these other things. It was more so like you're doing things that's damaging mm-hmm. your, your life. Right. And me seeing that and wanting to not really knowing how to really say something like I know if I say something, they're mm-hmm. going to be combative with me and tell me how they live in their life. Mm-hmm. Um so I also had to to learn within that situation, I can only say so much and it's up to them to right. to seek the help that they need because I had to keep my mental health in mind also exactly. in regards to I, I can't I can't do everything I, as much as I would want to help them. I can only help them to a certain extent. And then at a certain point, I had to fall back right. and let them figure out what they what they truly wanted to do with their life. Right. Right. I, I agree. You, you, the number one thing you should also just go into and realize is your mental health is way more important than anything else for you. Yeah. You know, so you can be around people who may be struggling, but if that's bringing your mental health down and you feel it going down, then you have to take care of yourself at that point. And, and don't be means, afraid to. Right. Right. If that means putting yourself first and stepping away from certain situations, you have to protect your mental health. So that's something that you have to do. You shouldn't feel bad about that. So, you know, as much as you want to help somebody else in their own mental health and their own struggles, um, you can do that, but you can do that in a healthy way, in a healthy manner that protects your mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, while Ron was speaking, it made me think of um, when I first started therapy, mm-hmm. first time I ever went was at CAU as a student, because I was like, I'm going to be a therapist. So I want to see how it is to be in a in the opposite seat or how this thing works. But um, it wasn't until maybe grad school or like my second year of grad school that it became comfortable to say, Mm. Oh, I got an appointment for therapy or something like that. It was just like, oh, I got something to do or I got a meeting, but mm. like I wouldn't want to say that I was going to therapy because I didn't want to be viewed as something's wrong with me. Right. Um, same thing as far as like the coping skills, journaling, um, mm. going for a walk, listening to uh, doing yoga, like things like that too. It's, it's not, I feel like those things aren't normal in our community. So it mm. does help. Like what helped me with being comfortable with saying that I'm going to therapy wasn't the fact that I was in a graduate program to, you know, study what I study, but because other people started to say that they had therapy sessions or the conversation like with millennials was like, you know, going to seek help and things like that. And then what helped too with the, the coping mechanism, yoga, like all those things, I will give credit to the people that's in my life and social media too with mm-hmm. seeing people do yoga, seeing people um, journaling, um, hear, finding out that we don't just listen to R&B and, and rap, but we listen to jazz too to calm our minds or going for runs and all these other different things or that art, drawing and coloring and all those things are forms of therapy, like whatever your release is, going for a skate, all those things too. So like uh, when you said, um, just saying, oh, my therapist to your friend, or I do this and it's helped. Like Simone will um, send me a screenshot of I'm on my 55th, 55th meditation. I'm on the street kind of thing. Like that will like 
like he doesn't know but like that's something that I like aspire to do so it's kind of like reinforcing that for me and let me remember oh meditation is a form of coping that can help bring down your anxiety or like she knows I've been struggling with going to sleep lately because I want to play on TikTok and <laughs> do all these things and I have FOMO but the other night I listened to a um so I think I use the Calm app because my job pays for us to have the Calm app so make sure you use your benefits guys if you have jobs that <laughs> pay for these things um I use the Calm app to help me go to sleep so these things do work and I've had some clients of my own I was like because uh, you Ron you were on um a clubhouse in a, a therapy group with people and someone in that group mentioned insight timer mm -hmm. so I use that to for my clients like hey download insight timer and it really helps so there's a lot of things like Ron said if therapy quote unquote is not for you or maybe you don't have the resources you can't pay out of pocket your insurance mm -hmm. doesn't um have it you know you don't have the access to get to one or maybe you don't have a laptop to sit on video conference with somebody you can, everybody, a lot of people have smartphones, so you can try those um, type of things to help you or get a notebook and journal or whatever it is that you want to do. Exactly, exactly. Just utilize those different resources. Um, it, in terms of like self-care and, and certain mental health skills, it doesn't take long periods of time of days to yeah. do this. You, mm -hmm. you can do this in a, 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 under a minute. Uh, I even suggest sometimes taking a minute out of your day just to do deep breaths and like filling it in the stomach and releasing it because a lot of times a lot of those issues and stress and things that we are dealing with is stored right here in our body and our gut right and normally when we're breathing we're just breathing from the chest so if you're taking a deep breath you want to make sure you inhaling it let your stomach expand all the way out and then exhaling it like you're blowing a candle and letting all the air out and do that a couple of times. And you'll notice within a few seconds of that, that you feel, you know, a, le a little less tense or calm. Um, so that's something simple that you can do just without even spending any money. That's free. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Wow. That was amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh, when we start recording, can you just send it to me immediately so I can watch <laughs> that because I'm thinking about so many people that I want to share the podcast with I'm just so happy that we we did this um Moni do you have any other right. questions you want to ask I actually don't I really love this conversation I actually went some direction that I honestly didn't expect so I, right. I really appreciate this whole this whole conversation it was great right and thank you all for providing or using your platform to talk and spread some mental health awareness is very important that we as black people begin to educate ourselves and then educate others to get rid of this stigma about yes. mental health um so i thank you all for that and um thank you for having me on Absolutely. for sure it is our pleasure right but <laughs> before you go you cannot leave truth carpet without letting the people know where they can find you. Let them know. Of course, of course. You all can follow me on Instagram at dr.ronlove, or you can follow my podcast and tune in to us at Unpack and Detangle on Instagram and then Unpack and Detangle on your favorite podcasting platform. Period. There you and have it. Sure you
subscribe right this podcast ron i love your podcast it was it was really good except for when you said that you wish that you could dance i was like ron come on now <laughs> you, used to, you used to choreograph our dances but um i really enjoy your podcast so for our listeners that's viewing oh thank you make sure make sure you tap into ron's podcast he has really great topics um and i'm looking forward to hearing more content from you and your co co-host I look forward to having you on my podcast soon. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) y'all in these random songs though. (laughs) That's how we do. That's the system we do. That's our regular life, right? (laughs) But for sure, thanks, um, Ron, so much. It was a pleasure having you. And until next time, we out of (laughs) here. segment we are going to be sharing mental health stories from makeitokay.org on this website there are several different stories shared by people that have mental health issues and how they deal with them so within each article it asks um, to share the stigma experience how they overcome the experience and um, helping others by sharing a brief positive message so we're going to go through those three segments i'm going to share a story And then Yaya is going to share a story. All right. So here we go. This is Explorer's story. And the title is, We All Need Help at Times and There's No Shame in That. Divorced, ADD, trauma, depression, and in the mental health profession. Stayed away from my career for 10 plus years because what did I have to offer? Isolated, marginally functioning. My only energy went to my kids, losing hope. I reached out to family, friends, professionals, a divorce lawyer, and dug my way out of the hole I'd been in. Again, kids have always been my number one priority, and I finally believed that I wasn't doing them a favor by sacrificing myself. We all need help at times, and there's no shame in that. We all make mistakes. And we don't have to live in a self-imposed prison. We can decide to make little changes that build ourselves up, giving us hope that it really can get better. Well, that's a good story because um, that person, what they were going through took a toll on them for a decade Mm -hmm. that they had to put a pause on everything that they were living and um so a lot of times when people are going through things i'm adding this it may not be true that person may have felt like i don't have anything to live for if you can say i'm leaving my job forget this forget that um but the only thing that's keeping me alive right now are my kids Mm -hmm. they're my only hope they're my the joy that i have in my life so thank god for that person for that person's own children but um, I'm glad that they were able to recognize that there was something that, I don't want to say something wrong, because I, I do believe that everybody has a, a mental health diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, but that they were going through something that they felt was 
too powerful to live the day-to-day life and that they were able to, you know, point it out and do something about it with no shame. Right. And I like how they said that you don't have to be in a self-imposed prison. Like, it can feel that way sometimes. Like, how am I going to get out of this? Like, you just have to find what works for you, who you can reach out to, what you can do for yourself as far as, you know, R&R and um, just finding ways to continue moving forward. Mm -hmm. Like, what, what is your reason? Why are you still here? What... What can you do for yourself to help give yourself a better life? You what know? can you do to make it okay? What can you do to make it okay? Yes. Um, because there are, I've in, I have um, been through it myself where it's just been times I'm just like, I don't know how I'm going to get through. I don't know what next step I should take. And it's okay to not know what to do. Yeah. You have to take time to figure that out. And then, you know, you can't rush that process either. Like, okay, you figured out, let me, let me try to see if this will work for me. Um, you just have to go through the steps of feeling it, you know, you're not going to be able to go through without feeling anything. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's going to be hard sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, and feeling it is hard too, yeah. but it also, for me personally, can't speak for everyone. It helps, it helped me make it myself stronger for the next time. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times I felt like I was rushing from A to B to C to D to D to E using those next letters or next people in my life as a um as my healing process but then I never learned how to cope or deal mm-hmm. with it. So wow. But everybody has their own um, medication, so to speak, of yeah. how to heal from a different process. But the first thing is learning it, accepting it and making that situation okay for yourself and finding your healing process. Mm-hmm. You want to read the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is Sarah's story. Family thinks I will just snap out of depression and anxiety and does not feel I should be on medication, especially not forever. Also, the thought of going to therapy not only paralyzes me, just knowing I would have to tell someone I was going through something and that my family would find out. But mental health is a hush-hush in my family. It's almost taboo. I work in mental health. I experience mental health. And I see my family share some of those experiences. My mission is to educate as many people as I can in order to reduce the stigma and allow others to come forward and not feel weird or ashamed of having to deal with mental health issues. I also just decided that the medications help, that my doctor would not put me on these meds if they were harmful to me and that it is something that I need for me. Getting the help you need is nothing to be ashamed of. Everyone is always going to have their opinion, whether you make a de- sorry, whether you make a decision based on their needs or your needs. So why not do what you need to do in order to live the best life you can? Yeah. Sarah. <laughs> I like that one too. I think it's also a reminder that when she said like people are going to always have their opinion. Yeah. Cuz that but at the end of the day, what's your opinion for you? Mm-hmm. You know? There's also a reminder that, you know, you can go to all these sources and ask for help. And everybody's going to tell you something just a little different. It might be similar, but everybody's going to tell you something different and you have to take 
what resonates, but then you also have to make the decision on your own in regards to what works best for you. Yeah. Because it's not going to be the same for every situation or for everybody. And people can only go based off, you know, their own experiences um, and maybe stories that they know of. And mm-hmm. you can probably try to implement this into your life, but you, you got to, you have to decide for yourself. Right. It's always, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Amen. Yeah. 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 I, I just think uh, what you said was good. And also what she said is just, it goes for itself. You know, I'm just going to be repeating what both of y'all said. I think <laughs> that was really good. But um, we went through this website and they had so many different stories with so many different people who had so many different experiences and diagnoses. And um, we want to let you know that if you have a time, if you have some time or are interested, you can follow the website to check out the other people's stories, um, you know, and just help to normalize these experiences mm-hmm. so that you or the people that you love won't have to go through these things. Or if you're going through them, you know, you can find find a way out. Right. Make it Because I think sometimes, too, people don't take mental illness serious. Yeah. Like, people have told me sometimes, like, you worry too much but has anybody did you ever think to find out why i'm worrying so much right. like if, if i oh, why don't you worry <laughs> like um if my if my worrying has been excessive like no one ever thought to to ask like okay i, I know you're worrying but it seems a little it's a bit much yeah you should sit down and talk about this or you've been a little more down than usual what's going on let's talk about this or let's find somebody for you to talk to but the two keys is the hush hush and our community yeah like it's you know this was a norm in the other people's community but not ours right so now it's starting to trickle over with us as millennials taking over and saying that it is okay like even now like Kyle Ronald said we're talking to his parent and me talking to certain people in my life too like my dad I try to convince too is like that's not that wasn't okay for their generation um someone else i know they had i think they're jamaican they were like oh that's not okay for my parents not going at all like mm-hmm. i don't know but my parent i don't even talk about therapy to my parent because it's like like a no-no is not okay so just like turning over generational norms and so many different cultures but the first step is starting with yourself exactly. and not being um you know too um conscious or too concerned about what other people have to say because like you said and like she said um, at the end of the day like I think I ain't, I'm not a twin I came in this world by myself I'm a leader she's sort of a twin I mean yeah <laughs> like, you know we don't know um, um who's gonna die at what age and what's gonna happen or whatever so those people that we care so much about their opinion at the end of the day I'm sleeping by myself I'm dying by myself I'm going through these things by myself whether you have a partner or not, you're still like, your breath is your own breath. You have to make your own life decisions. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Do it for you. Do it. Do it. Mm-hmm. Do it, do it, do it, do it. You know, I'll be rocking to it, to it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it. <laughs> and that is it for this segment. Yes, it is. Ooh, we going to the community news. Bye-bye. It's time for announcements. It's time for announcements. It's time for announcements. It's time for announcements. (laughs) (laughs) 
Y'all gotta watch the video. We yes. be cool. Yes. Oh, and you can watch it on Spotify or YouTube. Yeah. I was enjoying watching last um, episode on Spotify. I was like, okay, come through. Because the first time it was just like a little video, but now you can watch it on your TV, on your TV, yes. on your computer, your laptop, when you got a Mac window. Yo, I was watching on my phone at work. Yes. That's so cool. But um, let's get to our announcements. So first of all, we want to thank Nadir Ali mm-hmm. for being our poet on Sweet Tutu Tree. Yes, yes, this yes. So this is his first time being on a podcast. His first time um, reciting poetry on a podcast. So he's an amazing yes. person. It was really nice to meet him um, during this episode. So thank you, Nadir, for stopping by Sweet Tutu Tree. You did a great job. Yeah, you, you did a great job. Ooh, you took a great job. Yeah, a great job. Mm, you took a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Our second announcement um, shout out goes to Doctor Ron. Doctor Love. Doctor. Doctor Love. Doctor Love. Thank you for coming on our podcast for our cash segment. Talking about mental health, you know. You, we thank you because there are different podcasts that have things about mental health and, you know, they talk about mental health or whatever, but how much do you see black men, black doctors speaking about mental health to our community? Not much. So, um, all that you are doing is really appreciated. I love your podcast and we thank you for bringing your knowledge and your pointers to our podcast too. So, if you are listening, make sure that you take a minute to follow his podcast. We're going to put the link down below in our bio so that you guys can um, follow his podcast. Make sure you subscribe and support him as well. So we're grateful for both the black men yes. who step onto our podcast, our yes. podcast from today, uh-huh. um, <laughs> to share with you all. Yes, and then coming up next in the announcement segment, it is our April question of the month. April yes. may almost be over, but you still have time to answer. What was your go-to dance move in high school or college? And if you haven't already, you need to head on over to our YouTube channel and watch our video. Yes, so you can find out what our go-to dance moves were. I ain't gonna show you nothing because you gotta go watch the video. Even though my shoulders, they wanna move right now. Shoulders. <laughs> hey. Yes. Yes. Answer the question of the month. is National Poetry Month. What are we giving away? Are we giving away a poetry book? Honestly, y'all, I wish I remember what I we were giving away, but we're giving away something. So go to our Instagram page and find that out. Exactly. Oh, watch our question on our video. Yes. And find that out. See, you got to go to the YouTube channel. You can't get all the info from here. We got content, baby. You got to go watch. Yes. Like, comment, and subscribe. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of our website, you did say website. I did. Ago, we do have merch. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, because it gets chilly. It gets chilly at night. Yes, and we have books, of course. We have a mug. We have so many things. Yes. So check out our website, www.lovelowell2ds.com and see what we have to offer. We're always, you know, trying to keep on our toes with coming up with a new... I say with new... We should come up with some, right. Right? <laughs> come up with some more content for you all. So thank you to those who did support us. Yes. Um, we've had so many um, orders coming in and Yes, I'm great. Come on. So keep it coming, keep it going, keep it going. Yes, and if you enjoy us, our podcast, our website, our books, our merch, whatever it is about Love Loud that you enjoy, enjoy. Yeah. tell a friend and tell a friend 
to tell a friend, okay? Like our Instagram page, our YouTube channel, our podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen, whatever podcast platform you listen on, please share with others that you think will enjoy us as well. And we thank you for tuning in and being here with us. If you've already bought our merch, listen to our podcast, watch our YouTube channel, run our numbers up real quick, you know, things like that. We thank you. We are grateful. We are appreciative. And if there are things that you would like to see or add to the content that we already share, let us know. What's the best thing that you want Love Loud LLC to do? Or some questions that you want us to answer, okay? Let us know. And let us know if you hear about any pop-up shops or any open mic events. We would love to do those. We had a pleasure, the best time ever. Um, going to do our first pop-up shop in Brooklyn yes. earlier this month. It was an amazing time. We got a chance to network with other people. It was so great um, for our friends who did come by our table and show us some love. And people who don't know who you might be watching us right now because right. you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you so much um, for meeting us in person. And like you said, we look forward to more pop-up shots. Yes. That was our first one together. It was, it was so cool. much fun, y'all. When so we fun. say it was fun, finally, like, doing it together. Yes. Like, I've always had fun doing, you know, vending anyway, getting to meet people, talking about our product. But finally being able to do it together and being here, like, this is the person I've been talking right. about all of these years. I'm like, like, I'm right, I'm like, this is my best friend. She's in Jersey. Right. <laughs> no, we both right here on the East Coast, making it do what it do, meeting people, being able to share our story of how we met and who we are yes. in person is really, really dope. And people love our energy, so we've been tough. Yes. Okay? So, y'all, next time all the time we do one, y'all gotta come out and see what that energy about, yes. okay? You only get a little taste. You only get a little taste when you're looking at us on the on the channel, okay? <laughs> you gotta come see us in person. Yes. <laughs> that was so, so, so good. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for our first uh, open mic yes. event, so that's gonna be dope too. So yeah, stay tuned. We'll follow us on Instagram so yes. that you can be in the know and see where we're gonna be, etc., etc., etc. We will give you the deeds. And speaking of open mics, it's still April, which means it is still National Poetry Month, which means you can get the book bundle on the website, Volume 1, Volume 2, and even throwing in our self-love journal. The book bundle is back. You can get all three books for a wonderful total of $42. That's a wonderful total. It is a wonderful total, okay? (laughs) So, yes, please go to the website. The sale will be over at the end of the month. Don't want to miss out. And I think that's all we have for you today. Yes. yes. Thank you so much for watching another episode of Love Loud's Truth Garden. Yay. Yes. It was a pleasure. And we'll see you in two, two weeks. Yes. We'll see you in two weeks. Yes. Stay black. <laughs> Stay proud.